Hold on. That's not the intro I want to play for you guys. From Boogie Bumper himself gave me permission on this. I hope you guys will enjoy this one right here. Dumpster love. Oh, yeah. Let me hear all the dumpster ladies one time. You looking for food? Well, I'm looking for the sweet spot. Oh, yeah. My dumpster, I can't get enough garbage, baby. Oh, I don't know, I don't know why. Can't get enough of garbage, baby. Oh, some tin cans and old mail is all that I can find. Oh, yeah. But then when I look through, I see a new uh, baby that could be mine. Oh, mine. Help me. What can I say? What am I going to do? I'm looking for love, but all I can find is old food. I keep wanting you more and more each time. Get the same old feeling every time you're near. I smell the rubbish. Something's dirty. I scream your name in the dumpster too. And darling, I, oh, I can't get enough of garbage, baby. Thank you so much, Boogie, for dropping that for me, for dropping the hot, fire, fiery lyrics. Uh, you know, his mixtape will be coming out soon, nonetheless. But uh, welcome in, everyone. I hope you guys have been well. It is Friday night. Friday nights with me, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, Jason Line. Thank you guys for joining in. If this is your first time coming in here, I want to welcome you and uh, give a little intro to myself. I am your neighborhood-friendly libertarian, uh, talking about the politics and social issues that plague this country, and uh, bringing it back to the individual, bringing it back to the side of justice, the, the, the side of presumption of innocence, and uh, trying to make sure that you, the individual, are emboldened as much as much as possible so that you can have the freedoms to be uh, as successful as your work ethic determined um tonight's episode we got a lot of topics of course we're going to talk a little bit about the william barr uh report on the mueller release so we'll talk a little bit about that and the entire uh situation there uh whether we're, we're talking about the right and their antics the left and their antics or a little more of the the factual base uh we'll also be talking a little bit president trump has now practiced his second veto uh we'll find out what that is and and what that covers and what that really means in the long run um some big topics there we're also going to talk a little bit about the republicans trying to strip away some some freedoms from people uh until you're 21 years old they don't want you smoking them cigarettes they don't want you smoking them them vapes so we'll get into that as well and of course the boogie bumper not only is he bringing the intro in for tonight but he is also the man who called me out i believe it was on thursday night um he called me out on thursday night to maybe wednesday night for having a dirty dirty beard so you know the beard had to be clean coming in here freshly washed get the get those germs out of there and uh so we got to talk about the, the report i'm sure many of you have seen because this became wildly uh, it became viral very quickly. And uh, so we got to cover this and, and understand what's in there, what's not in there, and uh, debunk some of this stuff for you guys. Uh, we're also going to talk about Amazon. Amazon is is doing something a little dirty, but I don't want to get into that uh, too much. But first story I want to start off with is just to show you how ridiculous the standards of conduct for people that they are. Um, so you guys... I'm pretty sure everyone knows who the Duchess of Sussex is. Uh, the Miss Megan married the prince. Um, she did something that millions of us do every day. This comes from the BBC. It, it's something that most millions of us do every single day. But when the Duchess of Sussex closed her car door on Tuesday, the internet was watching and had something to say. Imagine that. Somebody closed their own car door. Oh, my God. She's a human. She married into this position, and she's 
still a human. It, it's it's amazing that people get riled up and worked up over the most stupid of things. These little social uh, traditions where, oh, now you're royalty, you can't close your own door. Um, etiquette and protocol coach William Hansen pointed out that this was not, in fact, a protocol breach. Yes, that's right. You could be the Duchess and you could still close your own car door and that's just fine. Uh, wanted to start off real light. Maybe that should have been left for the end because we... It is just downhill from here. It is deeper, darker, and dirtier uh, the further we go into this. Um, we'll, we'll keep the beards for last. How about that? So we're going to go from that lighthearted beautifulness. Uh, hey, you left the monarchy years ago. Stay out of our business, rebel scum. <laughs> Boogie bumper the man himself. I hope you were here for that wonderful, beautiful intro. Uh, man's got – whoever was singing that, he's got some lungs behind him. He's uh, got a beautiful voice, very, very silky smooth. Uh, no notification, and I checked, and it's effing on. Yes, it's uh, – I don't know. I'm sorry about that, Christy Christie. Um, but, but at least you're in here. So thank you for joining in. All right. So on Tuesday, Tuesday night, president Trump practiced his second veto. And I want to, want to talk about this because not only about the, the actual situation itself, but this hits a much larger topic. Now, as we know, as we, we've seen from a lot of the conflicts that have been happening in the past and recent time, that the president of the United States is emboldened and, and, is able to manipulate and, and misconstrue the War Powers Act of 1974, I think it was, um, to where they can get into conflicts and stay there indefinitely. Um, this doesn't require the uh, the Article One, Section Eight, Clause Eleven, which basically says that the Congress has the authority to declare wars. But now the War Powers Act has been so bastardized, and even the way that it's written. Um, to allow for a president to get involved with conflicts and then to stay there indefinitely, because as we know, Congress is incapable of stopping this. So on Tuesday night, President Donald Trump vetoed a resolution passed by Congress to end U.S. military assistance in Saudi Arabia's war in Yemen. So this is a story that we've been covering for a long time back in 2014. Yes, during the Obama era, uh, President Obama helped expedite, helped um, encourage and support Saudi Arabia and basically attempting a, a genocide down there in, in Yemen. Things like such as helping out with providing armaments, selling armaments to Saudi Arabia, knowing that they're going to be bombed there in Yemen, where we've seen uh, schoolhouses get bombed. We've seen school buses get bombed. We've seen hospitals get bombed. We've seen weddings get bombed. And then as a result of those bombings, when people go to the funerals, those funerals have been bombed themselves. The humanitarian crisis down there is not limited to just to just the bombings, but also the sanctions and the uh, embargoes there preventing humanitarian aid from coming in there. Nonetheless, since 2014, we've been getting involved there and President Trump has emboldened this and President Trump did something that most presidents don't do. And he's basically said, look, there's a lot of money involved with this and we're okay with sacrificing our values on this. So President Trump overturns the uh, the resolution by vetoing it, and this raises a much bigger concern. So this is obviously a, a serious issue there in Yemen. This is something I've been talking about. This is something many civil libertarians have been talking about because it is a, a clear atrocity for us to support this. Um, if you, in case you guys are wondering why it is that we're involved with this, what some of the justifications are other than the president gets to decide on what they do with the military. Um, the idea of the petrodollar, the dollar being the currency for uh, oil worldwide helps prop up the economy. So there is some, some value there, but you don't have to, to tie the two in together. We don't have to bow to every, um, every whim, every desire that Saudi Arabia has in order to maintain the petrodollar. So there's there's a couple of arguments. They're really nonsensical, really, when you get to it. There are a lot of feelings-based, not much there. Um, do you, libertarians think the company is 
country is called yeah man uh, yeah man it's it's totally yeah man yeah man it's of course of course <laughs> but so the bigger issue of this the bigger issue so the reason why article 1 section 8 clause 11 in the constitution was written the way that it was was to make sure that you had a board of people you had a, a, a group selection to where the ownership of the the war putting millions or thousands of Americans' lives at risk by putting them into conflicts, not uh, not domestically, but but on foreign lands, should not be on the ownership of one person, but on a board of people. So when we implemented the War Powers Act, what that allowed was the President of the United States to have, by the by the words written in there, to have sixty days of being able to to get involved and to to put our our young men and women's lives at risk, putting them in foreign lands. By doing so, it makes it impossible, not impossible, but makes it extremely difficult for Congress to resend those troops. Like what we're seeing right now, because we are, it is so rare to find a time in which there is a, a super majority, right? A veto-proof majority um, for one party to be opposing the president of the United States. So now we're at a point where the president of the United States basically has unlimited authority when it comes to war, when it comes to putting our troops on the front lines. Now, I am a huge supporter of the troops. I believe in the troops. I want the troops to be good. I want them to be safe. I want them to be out of <coughs> Pardon me. I want them to be out of harm's way. So that means I'm not a fan of these wars. So before we come into the criticism of, Jason, you hate the military, you hate this, that, and the other, I, I hate doing it. I'm a veteran. I was, I, I served. I did my time. My family served. It's, it's not a matter of hating the troops at all. It's a matter of loving the troops and not wanting to put them into other people's conflicts, uh, not wanting to get them involved and put them at risk. So <clears throat> I hope that you guys can look at this situation and know that President Trump vetoing what a majority of both the House and the Senate, so both a Democratic-led and a Republican-led um, entities right now, that it might not be a good thing just to go, nah, I, I can disregard that. Yes, he's within his enumerated powers to veto bills. Yes, absolutely. But but the idea behind this is grotesque. It's a, it's a huge issue, and this just shows the authority and the power of the president that has been super, that has been ceded to them by Congress's inability to be effective, be efficient, or to be even philosophically sound on any any grounding. This is the start of the destruction of the military. This is the start of the destruction of the government when we get involved with too many wars. I, I I think most of us know what happened with Rome. I think most of us know what happened whenever you have a large empire that spreads itself out too thin. This is one of the things that can happen. We get so spread out and we have so much. Um, pisses me off when people say you hate the military. Absolutely, Christy Christy. Absolutely. I know that we, we've, we've all experienced people that believe that if you don't uh, adore and, and, and bold in every aspect of the military in every single way, then you obviously hate them. Uh, he likes power too damn much. Absolutely agree with that, Sean. So this this movement there, right, to condemn and to discourage us from being involved there was the right move. Absolutely. If you guys disagree, feel free to drop a comment. Feel free to send me a message. You can tweet at me at, at Mr. Bearded Truth. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me over there. I forgot to even give a shout out. Uh, while we're talking about all these things, thank you to Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to have a platform to reach out and to, to give you guys my views, my opinions, and my, my stances on these things. Um, you guys can find us over there at muddywatersoffreedom.com. You can figure out all of the old shows. Um, they're all on SoundCloud and they're on YouTube where you can find us on YouTube as well, of course. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Periscope. You can find us everywhere. So at Muddy Waters um, at, or at the website muddywatersfreedom.com. So feel free to drop us a line. Give it, Let us know what you guys feel about that stuff. Um, Always the, the interaction, the more you guys communicate with us, the more we can uh, we can adapt and change for you guys to make sure you guys are getting exactly what you wanted. But but the end result of that, the, the Yemen thing, this shows a much bigger issue. And I know Yemen is not um, a topic that a lot of people like talking about. It's not for some reason. For some reason out there, we see we know of these atrocities happening and we just turn a blind eye. 
it would be akin to people during the times of slavery just going, look, I'm not in favor of slavery, so I'm just going to turn the other way and act as if it doesn't exist. It's things like that that we have to be emboldened. We have to we have to trust in our convictions. We have to trust in our morality and stand up and say something. Because when enough of us say something, then we actually see these changes. And and so it, let's embolden ourselves and let's grow on these on on being the moral government or being the moral country that so many of us believe that we are. <sighs> Boogie's here. I really want to go into the Beards one. You're going to have to wait on that, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. While we're talking about... While we're talking about some of the atrocities, the Senate bill, T-17, I believe it was? T-21. T-21 coming from cocaine Mitch McConnell. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that his T-21 proposal bill would cover all tobacco products and all e-cigarettes. This would just turn... This would make it to where you have to be 21 to smoke. You'd have to be 21 to smoke a cigarette, and you'd have to be 21 to smoke an an e-cigarette. And this is a quote from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. For some time, I've been hearing from parents who are seeing an unprecedented spike in vaping among their teenage children. In addition, we all know people who started smoking at a young age and who struggled to quit as adults. Unfortunately, it's reaching epidemic levels. Actually, the uh, just the opposite is true about tobacco. In 2016, cigarette smoking among U.S. adults stood at 15.5%. It's quite a bit of people, right? 15%? Well, that's down from 20.9% a decade or so earlier. And around 42% in the 1960s. So epidemic for cocaine Mitch is a pretty large drop in 50 years. So from the 1960s, where it was 42% down to 15.5% in 2016. Such a drop for it to become such an epidemic. It's an epidemic issue. Mm. Now, there, there were a couple states that have, have started implementing this on their state level. And if you want to implement it on your own state level, you have a stupid state to begin with. But you, you're free to do it. Go ahead. Have fun. Uh, silence your, your younger people. Tell me about how they need to be able to vote at 16, but they can't smoke a cigarette until they're 21. You can have those, those weird mental gymnastics if you want to. If you're an adult, you're an adult. Let's let's just let's just end it at eighteen and and move on from there. Um, but this is this is a huge issue. This is where Republicans are just the same as Democrats, where they want to control your lives in some ways. They want to say, "Look, you know, I don't like these effects. This is something that's going to be bad for you in the long run, and so therefore, I'm going to push it off until you can be more mature about this. I'm going to just push the bar whichever way you want to." And um, as I, I interrupted myself on my train of thought, some states have implemented this. And some of those states are, are back, ass backwards enough to where they say, look, you have to be 21 to smoke unless you're in the military. That's right, boys and girls. If you pick up a gun, you're going to shine your boots, get a nice little spit shine, get that nice and shine, get it like a mirror. You can smoke a cigarette. You're, you're going to kill yourself. Anyways, might as well just help it out. That way we could cut the cost on the VA. Don't worry about that. But if you, ooh, you know, that free market stuff, mm-mm. no, sir, no, sir. You, you no smoke here. You don't get to smoke here. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Don't make exceptions for people, right? If you're going to make exceptions for some people, what if somebody identifies as being in the military, but they're not? Do stolen valor people get to to do this? I I just want to know. Because if they're wearing a hat, if they're wearing the gear, if they're wearing the get-up, who's going to challenge them so they get the freebie pass? Just the the logistics of this, the ridiculousness of of this is just absolutely stupid. However, the numbers do not support Mitch. Absolutely, Sean. (laughs) Looking at this situation, it's just another big... 
big bunch of stupidity coming from government. They want to, they literally want to control you in some way. And one of the things that Mitch McConnell was talking about was that there are children that are smoking cigarettes. And so if we bump the age from 18 to 21, now there's less people that smoke and then there's going to be less people dealing. Well, I, I really don't think you're going to stop that. I know from, from the guys that I work with, the guys that I've been around, the guys that I've associated with, those who smoked those who dipped, those who chewed tobacco, those who involved themselves with tobacco or nicotine in some ways were often given to them by their parents. Now, I don't know very many uh, 13, 14-year-olds with, with parents that are less than 18 or less than 21. It, it, there really is, there isn't much logic to this other than my feelings are that you aren't mature enough and therefore I'm going to be your dad for a minute. This is not in the tenor of what the const- or of what the government was ever supposed to be. It's disgusting, it's stupid, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, mm. All right, I can't do it. I can't do it. Boogie, let me know if you're still in there. If you're still in there, we're going to do the beards. We're going to do the beards. So this dropped... Last week, it went viral. There was a study done up in Switzerland, I believe it was. No, Sweden. Sweden? Anyways, there were 18 guys that were all bearded in some capacity. That's right. I've got I've to defend the bearded men out there in the world. And they had 30 dogs. And they wanted to see who was the dirtier, 30 dogs or 18 men with beards. And the conclusion (coughs) on the basis, it was Switzerland. On the basis of these findings, dogs can be considered as clean compared with the bearded men. That's right. Dogs are cleaner than bearded men. So where they took the sample from the guys was right below the mouth. That's right. If you guys know somebody with a beard, they call this the flavor slave, the flavor saver, whether it's the drink, the food, or just another person. Uh, sometimes you get a little flavor down there and, uh, adding that flavor in there obviously leads to a little more germs and where they checked the dogs was behind the, behind the shoulders or in between the shoulders where it's the, the most germy area of the dogs. So for 23 of the dogs, they were, cleaner than the 18 men. Now, I just want to say, is anybody surprised that over there in Europe, these people aren't very clean? There's so many stigmas out there. There are so many stereotypes about people over there. And, uh, the cleanliness isn't up to, isn't up to America's standards, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying they did a sample of 18 people and they're like, no, nah, we know everybody around the world. It's just ridiculous. So taking the small standard or small research isn't enough in order to make a, a substantiated basis on. And so for those of you who came out and called me out on your shows, uh, for those of you who tagged me in this on Facebook, uh, tagged me in on it on Twitter, tagged me anywhere and everywhere that you could, knowing that the beard is proper, the beard is clean, but you wanted to vilify me, that you wanted to libel me and say that I'm a dirty scoundrel, that I'm a homeless man. It's time to tear that apart. So within this, authors acknowledged limitations of the study, including its size. They said similar research could be done with hair samples from women's heads, which could carry just as much as bacteria as women's or as men's beard. So those of you who pushed away the bearded bros, those of you who said, I don't want to be associated with, I can't sit at the table with them. I can't be in any way associated with somebody who has one of those dirty, filthy beards. I hope you don't hang out with women at all either. So it's only the clear, clean shaven, uh, I don't even call them men. Clean-shaven boys are the people that you associate with. So, therefore, I think on those grounds, on those grounds alone, if you're going to disassociate yourself with the beers because they're dirty, you have to disassociate yourself with the women, and all you're left with the prepubescent boys. Now, I'm not saying anything about you, but uh, I'll let the... Uh, I'll let people make up their own minds about you. So all with love, all with kind, and all with satire, of course. But nonetheless, it's there. Don't come after the bearded bros, because we'll make you into a pedophile. (laughs) Uh, 
So it, it, it's it's always good to to have fun with that, guys. The beard is clean. I promise you, I clean the beard more often and for longer than I do my hair and everything else. It's the first thing I clean when I get in the shower. It's the last thing I wash out. The thing is, I I would eat food out of this, and I do. It's it's clean. Unclean. <laughs> oh, I love it when Boogie comes in. Oh, I hope you were here for all of that. If you were not Boogie, you missed the whole thing. Go back and watch. I will I will figure out how to timestamp it and send it to you nonetheless. This is this is where the war lines are drawn. Now for the beards. Somebody's got a razor in the sand and they're making the line. And it's right there, buddy boo. It's right there. It's gonna be a good time. Ugh. So let's get through this Amazon thing real quick. And then we will get into the William Barr because I know that's what you guys were wanting to hear because you guys have not heard enough of William Barr and that report and the media and and all these pundits and and everybody talking about just what's in there, what's not in there. We're going to get through that as well um, because I know you guys want to get it from the beard. Um, This article is coming from Daily Wire. This is Amazon employees... Thousands of people just to listen in on your Alexa device. In a shocking report issued Thursday, though perhaps not so shocking to privacy expert, Bloomberg announced that Amazon.com Incorporated employs thousands of people around the world to improve the Alexa digital assistant powering his line of Echo speakers. The team listens to voice recordings captured in Echo owners' homes and offices. The recordings are transcribed, annotated, and then fed back into the software as part of an effort to eliminate gaps in Alexa's understanding of human speech and to help it better respond to commands. That's right. They're transcribing whatever it is that you're saying. So if you have voice recordings, here's where the issue when it comes to Alexa's is how does it know when to start recording? Of course, the idea is that you say, hey, Alexa, and then it's going to start listening. The question is, is how does it know to listen for when you say, hey, Alexa? If it does, if it's, it has to always listen to you in order to listen for, hey, Alexa, and then to start listening. Now, if they want to say that this is, this is only the time in which they start recording is after you say, hey, Alexa, that may be that may be what they're saying right now. That may be true for right now, but the idea that this may remain in the same way um, ignores the idea of technocracy, which is something that I think is growing uh, not just not just here in America, not just in Europe, but but really globally. I've heard enough, of William Barr. I agree with you, Sean, but you're gonna have to put through it one more time. Um, so. <laughs> Amazon doesn't explicitly tell people that they're being listened to when they're communicating with Alexa, or worse, when they're not. Instead, the marketing materials say that Alexa lives in a cloud and is always getting smarter. Always getting smarter, always listening in to make sure that they're listening to you to get it better to develop. This has always been the, the big issue with technology, right? As technology grows, as it gets more involved, as you become more reliant upon it, as you get more reliant upon your cell phones, as you get more involved in anything that's been growing with technology, they're trying to advance these things. They want to make this better. And and so they're going to start getting more involved. They're going to start listening in a little more. They're going to be getting just more intimate with you, the individual. And that's fine and dandy if they're a good company, if they're good persons, if it, you know, but the problem is, is that there's a lot of bad things that can come of this. So you really are playing with the risk and reward on these things. Do you want to be up to date and you want to get the brand new phone? You want to be hip? You want to be cool? You want to, you know, be savvy and all that? Or do you want to live more of the rural life like with some of my friends in Alaska live where they're off the grid. They don't have cell phones. If they have a cell phone, it's a flip phone. You know, do you, what level of risk are you willing to take? And, and so that's something that we have to, we have to understand on our own. Now taking that topic, we also understand that Amazon, Facebook, all these big tech companies are also of the of the ilk that are pushing for more security, that are pushing for more protection. There's reports already been made that Alexa has called the police 
whenever there's been violence being committed or, or being heard. I believe there's even one story where somebody was not being violent or violated against their consent, but it just happened to be some rough fun, if you will. But the police were called. And so you lose that privacy of your own life. Could you imagine getting it on and having a good time with your partner and everything's good? There's so much consent and it's all being broken up just before you come to fruition. You got a banging on the door and the door gets knocked down and suddenly you're standing there with an audience of police officers. Hopefully you didn't, hopefully you didn't like your family dog too much, but these are the things that you have to understand if you are going to be one of those people who has an Alexa device that has a, a home device that's listening to you to make your life in some way easier. Understand the risks because there is no reward without some risk. You can you can be hip and have a lot of risks or you could be uh, living in the Stone Age, living in the Amish life and, and live with a lot less risk but still be held accountable for if you break laws from others, as we've covered in the past. Alexa's a prude. <laughs> uh, yes. <clears throat> beards, according to the doctors, dermatologists need to shave once a year to have hygienic beards. That being said, is not a legitimate study at all. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. <sighs> all right. Now we get to the William Barr. So those of you who hate William Barr and that whole debacle and everything that's been going on there, feel free to tune in, stay in here. Uh, if you guys, if this is what you came for, feel free to give a like, give a share, put this out there, get more people in here because we're gonna hit this. We're gonna hit this hard um, because there's been a lot of malfeasance with this, malfeasance on both sides of the aisle. Both sides of the aisle. And that is what we have. We come to destroy. So let's start with this. On Thursday, because you always want to drop these as close to the weekend as possible to get the media riled up and spun up and everyone to go ah, as loud as possible. Just have a screaming match from both sides. We had the report dropped. So this was a 430 some odd page report coming from the man William Barr. So this is the report on investigation into the Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. This was a two-part volume. Uh, this was written by special counsel Robert Mueller. So what had occurred here was that Robert Mueller drops the report, gives it to William Barr. And William Barr works with the Mueller team in order to release as much of the information as possible and only redact the things that are required. So things like harm to an ongoing matter, personal privacy, those were two of the big ones that were constantly being redacted for. And every time that there was a redaction throughout this form, it said what it was. Is it a harm to an ongoing matter? Is it a privacy thing? And it was very explicit as to why it was. Here, I'll even give you guys a quick click. Look at this. If you guys look right here, harm to an ongoing matter. Any time that this was being um, redacted, they would tell you exactly why it was. Right? If we look up here at the the index, right? Personal privacy, um, harm to an ongoing matter. So they were very clear on what it was that was causing them to redact this stuff. So what we've seen from Adam Schiff, what we've seen from a lot of Democrats. Um, many of the ones running for, for presidency, even, you know, those who threatened to nuke the country for not giving up their guns, swole, um, they're, they're like, we don't know why this stuff was redacted and we need to know we, we need to get, we need to subpoena Mueller. We need to subpoena Barr, and this must be accounted for what kind of, do they really think that they can hide that much information? From the American people, they tell you. They literally tell you in this. So there's been malfeasance on that. When it comes to the actual report, when it comes to what this was, there are people saying that the Trump administration was not exonerated of collusion was not 
exonerated on collusion. Well, if you go into the introduction, page one and two, it says, as set forth in the detail of this report, special counsel's investigation established that the Russian interfered in the 2016 presidential election principally through two operations. This is something that we've known about. Russia did interfere in the election. What was the capacity? Not much at all. What was the effect? Not much at all. There was a very small effect. There were Facebook posts. There was no votes that were overturned. This was this was only alleged by partisan hacks. This was never actually substantiated by any claims, by any investigation that it was actually somebody put a vote in for Hillary Clinton and it popped up as President Trump. Um, First, a Russian entity carried out social media campaign that favored presidential candidate Donald J. Trump and disparaged president presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. This was proven to be true, right? There were Russian interferences that favored Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. There were also social media campaigns that favored Bernie Sanders over Donald Trump. There were also social media campaigns that favored Hillary Clinton over the other two. So this was something that that went all three ways because one of the things that Russia likes to do is to create chaos, to create dystrophy, to create just just people not knowing what – just to to expand the divide. Tear the country apart from the inside. Don't do it from the outside. We're too weak for that. It's Good Friday, you bastards. It is Good Friday. I like I like Shane Sweeney's comment. If you guys can miss that, can we just bring back politicians dueling? Less drama that way. Hmm. That'd be nice. So, anyways, second, a Russian in- intelligence service conducted computer intrusion opera- operations against entities, employees, and volunteers working with the Clinton campaign, and then released stolen documents. Yeah, Podesta's emails were simple. People had taken information from the servers, from his server, from from multiple areas and released this out. Russia was one of those involved with this. The investigation also identified numerous links between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. Ooh, this is where the collusion is. This is where Trump could not have been uh, could not have been exonerated, right? This is where it's it's vindicated on the idea that he President Trump was involved, right? I'll read it again. The investigation also identifies numerous links between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. Although, it continues, although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and work to secure the outcome, and the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen from the release and release through Russian efforts and the investigation did not establish the members of the Trump camp or and the investigation did not establish that the members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interferences activity. Again, the Trump campaign, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interferences activities. It sounds a lot like Trump did not collude with Russia in any way. It sounds an awful lot like Trump wasn't involved with it. It sounds an awful lot like Russia wanted to get involved. They got involved. They did a lot of things. And it helped out Trump. And so Trump was like, hey, look, they did this. Sure, Trump went out there and he, while he was on the campaign trail said, hey, if you guys got more of her emails, if you have more of those 30,000 emails that were suddenly erased, that were bleach-bitted from her computers, from her servers... If you've got those, go ahead and drop them. You can talk to the either all you want to. You can even call out who the either is. But it doesn't mean that you colluded with them. The media malfeasance here is palpable. They said that he obviously colluded. This dropped. The, the report is obviously lying. After we've, we've spent the last 22 months saying that the Mueller should be protected and he's going to be integritous, he's going to be filled with honor, and nothing that he does is going to be wrong, and President Trump's going to go down, and this is going to be worse than Watergate. Now that it's been dropped, now that it's Mueller's report himself only being redacted by William Barr and the Mueller team, suddenly... It's unacceptable and is intolerable to be accepted. So on those grounds, on those grounds, the Trump team was exonerated. 
President Trump and his team was entirely acquitted of the charges of colluding with the Russian government. Look at CNN, look at MSNBC, look at these sources, and they still have not accepted this. They've still not accepted the idea that the Trump team could not have have or the Trump team could not have won the presidency without colluding with them. They couldn't get that through their heads. This is something that they really do need to accept. Now, when it comes to the actual uh, obstruction of justice, this is where there's been a little bit more malfeasance, and this one is more pointed towards the right. There were 10 things that were described as opportunities of obstruction of justice. And understanding that because there was opportunities of obstruction does not mean that there was no obstruction, right? The presumption of innocence, if you want to go that route, absolutely right. They're not charging him. They, they even specified within the, the report itself that they're not going to try to indict a sitting president. Um, that is something that's unconstitutional. You can't do it at the federal level. This has been... Um, this has been exercised and, and or not exercised, but this has been talked about, discussed about before Hillary Clinton was expected to be president of the United States. This was something that they talked about for Hillary Clinton. And some suddenly now that they, they have a president that they, they don't like, they're unwilling to accept this. But they can't they can't indict him. And so they, the wording that they used, right? So they used 10 specific topics and they said, these are things where obstruction may occur. We can't indict him. We can't push charges on that. And they kind of threw this out there, right? The Mueller team threw this out there and said, you guys figure it out. You guys want to impeach him and then you charge him for it. Here's the information. Here's the, the blueprints, if you will. Do what you guys want to do. But they, this neither says that he did collude, and it neither says that he was exonerated from not colluding. So it's a little bit more murkier than just saying, I've been cleared of those charges. Hey, John. This stuff, this is where the nuance of these topics, of these situations, are vital and important to making sure that you don't just try to have the talking points. I know the Democrats and the Republicans like to have those quick little snippets, the, the little hashtags, the, you know, if you guys go onto President Trump's Twitter right now, it says no collusion, no obstruction. It's nice to have something nice, clean and crisp. But the nuance of these, the nuance of these are absolutely important. Because if you just say that there was no collusion and no obstruction, and then you get... Uh, impeached over the obstruction, then it's just creating a bigger divide. Now, I understand why President Trump wants to do that, why he wants to protect that, of course, right? Because you do that, and then people are more outraged. Your defenders are there to say he was exonerated by this, and we know that most of the public are not going to sit down and read these reports. They're going to listen to the pundits. They're going to listen to the media, and so they just follow. And so if you were to be impeached on these things, uh, do I think it, it, it's worthy of the level of high crimes and misdemeanors? I don't believe so. Um, I disagree with that entirely. But if it were to occur, that creates a larger divide. And so that those ramifications have to go through the minds of the Democrats and some, some Republicans, some weak Republicans, as they've been called, um, when they decide that they want to go and push forward on impeachment processes. So he threw it out there. This is where it gets difficult. No need to impeach Trump, just vote. Absolutely. Uh, Trump didn't mean he was going to lose the presidency. He meant it was going to be a long process. So Harrison was going to go to the next part that I was going to bring up. So in this report, a lot of people were were taken aback, that were shocked that President Trump acted differently in a private setting. You mean to tell me that you guys are shocked that President Trump acts differently whenever he doesn't know that somebody's recording him on the back of a bus? So President Trump, when Jeff Sessions, attorney, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions, um, notified 
President Trump that that the Mueller team was coming and investigating for the Russian collusion. Trump basically said, I'm fucked. What the left hears when they say that is, I'm guilty as fuck. I'm fucked. What the right hears is, it's a little closer to the truth, in my belief, is that I'm about to be going through a long-ass investigation. During this time, I'm going to be torn apart. The media is going to only focus on that. Any of the good that I do goes unheard. This is going to make it incredibly difficult for a second time in office. And potentially, because of the ways of the past, uh, of of how investigations go, of how um, you had uh, Bill Clinton being impeached for lying under oath, for the ways that many things go about, that this could be the end of the presidency, not because of actual substance, not because of actual wrongdoing, but because of, of linguistics, because of you said it one way one time and you said it another way another time. And what you meant was something synonymous and what they heard was something different. So there are many ways in which let me, let me take that back. If we look in the past, if we look at, um, when President Trump, when, when the media was in a big hubbub, President Trump, will you sit down under oath and talk to Mueller? Trump said he, he would, but he also didn't want to. And when it came time to actually providing information to Mueller, how did President Trump do it? He sat down and he wrote them out. That is the best way in order to conduct yourself during an investigation because you can be very specific. You can hit the backspace or the 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 erase key you can delete stuff you can you can make sure that your words are accurate when you speak you can misspeak and if you don't catch it at the time of when you say it you guys if you guys have been watching me for a while you guys would know that i misspeak all the time and i don't catch it so somebody else like donald trump who's not we can all admit that he's not the greatest orator. He's somebody who can get people fired up. He's a good motivator. He's a good hype man. But when it comes to being an orator, to speaking properly, fluently, and, and precisely, he's not that guy. So he went under oath, or he sent in documentation, right? He wrote it out. He wrote out his answers, and that's what was sent in, because he doesn't want to lose the presidency, is this a power struggle? This could be a power struggle. If you want to swing it that way, then we're actually talking about a little more of substance behind the argument rather than I'm fucked because I'm guilty, right? The presumption of guilt doesn't exist here in America. Sadly, it does. I, I lied to you guys. The presumption of guilt exists whenever it's your, your opposing political party. Um, so uh, there's so much in here that is just... I mean, honestly, 430 pages. There's so much in here. Um, it's well worth it to sit down and, and pick up a chunk of this and read it and, and try to understand because it's vital for us to understand. Don't let people snip it and, and send it out to you and let them tell you what's in it. Um, go check it out yourself. Even Donald Trump's questions are in here. Right. If you go down to the C section, the Charlie section, these are the actual answers and signed from President Donald Trump himself. Here you go. Look at that signature. That signature is very distinct. President Donald Trump right there signing the document himself. This uh, take a little bit of time, read it. It, 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 treat it like the longest book you've ever read. If you're if you're not a big reader, um, if you if you're an avid reader, if you like this stuff, this is stuff that you know you might be able to crank out in a weekend. I saw, I've got a couple friends who read it in a night. Um, take some time, check it out, see what's in here, see if if your bias is going to blind you, or see if you're willing to be objective on this stuff. It's a good it's a good personnel test. Um, I'm going to open up the phone lines for you guys. If you guys got comments about this stuff, I feel free. Feel free to call in, whether it's about Yemen, whether it's about the uh, William Barr situation, whatever it is that you guys have on your mind right now, feel free to call in. The phone number is 802-671-5328. Um, the weak Republicans can just go to the Democrat side. I already consider them close to the same. Yeah, there used to be a thing called the liberal 
uh, Republican and there used to be a thing called a conservative Democrat. That is no longer. Uh, party lines are party lines now, it seems. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I kind of like having a, a mixed bag of pe- things where people were more individually based, where people were more individually um, driven by their ideologies, because then you would say, look, there's Democrats and there's Republicans siding up on the same side of this bill. And this is just not just the VA uh, payments. It's just not taking care of the veterans. It's actual substance. It's actual good stuff. Uh, once again, the phone number is 802-671-5328. Feel free to call in, guys. Let me see if I missed any big comments. Some mainstream media has figured they have built their entire careers based on Trump, Russia. They need this to stay relevant and to keep food on their table. Yes, if you guys listen to Mark Dice, if you guys follow him on Twitter, uh, he was talking about Brian Seltzer pretty hard this weekend uh, or this week. And he was like, a source of mine. So I'm telling you who my source of this source was. Um, the source of mine says that Brian Stelter is stuck inside of a closet eating nothing but ice cream and crying to himself. There were so many people. If we remember when the Mueller report, when, when William Barr came out and said that there was no collusion originally, and uh, if you guys remember Rachel Maddow from MSNBC, her entire two years, her I mean, really since 20, early 2016, has been built up on this collusion story. And her entire three years millions of dollars, I tell you millions, stacks of millions of dollars have been wasted on her programming, wasted into her bank account because it all came apart. All came apart. No, it's not gang colors. Yes, gang colors. That's beautiful. That is is a great analogy. That's just gangs. And and really, when you have the two different gangs fighting amongst themselves, what what, what is really true, um, and the more that I, I, I reflect on this image, the more that I think about the inner workings and how they construct themselves and how they just will themselves upon others and they pay off their protections, or you have to pay them for their protections from themselves, the government is a mafia entirely. And so they've got two different gangs trying to run one mafia, and uh, the loser is always the individual. Television shows are not real. Why do people put value on what happens on TV? I I don't know why television shows are so important. I mean, other than providing entertainment, wasting a little bit of time, it's not something. I love it whenever somebody watches like House of Cards and they're like, this happened. And then something similar in real life happened. So this is obviously the story. This is the inner workings behind this. And it's just like, man, you realize somebody wrote that up. Like this isn't. This is almost as bad as like the the story being written up down there in Chicago at two o'clock in the morning with MAGA country, right? Jesse Smollett should get Writer of the Year. I, I if we're going to be giving awards to everybody, Jesse Smollett needs Writer of the Year because that was just the worst storyline ever. It fell apart so quickly. I mean, the, the the day it came out, there were people that were objective that were questioning it. Not people that were doing it because they were part of MAGA. Not people because they were Republicans. Political ideology out of it. They were like, "There's a lot of holes in the story, and there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and you're not answering any of them." Jesse Smollett, writer of the year. If it's a mainstream media or TV, it's already happened years ago. Maybe. I mean, some of it. Some of it never happened at all, and that's that's certainly the problem when it comes to this Trump Russia collusion um, stuff. Um, let me see here. I had a, I had a tweet and I'm, I'm really upset. I'm not sure if I missed the mark with it or if people just don't care that much about the constitution. Either way, I'm broken hearted about this. So I had a tweet earlier and I want you guys to check it out. If you guys, if you guys get this one, um, if the Democrats keep it up, if the Democrats keep it up the way that they are right now, they're finally going to get president Trump out of office via the 22nd amendment. Hopefully, hopefully that's not falling on deaf ears. I love you guys. If you guys got it, if you guys didn't get it, Shane Sweeney, um, <laughs> if you guys didn't get it, then um, feel free to open up your constitution. Find out that the 22nd Amendment is the eight years in which a president is allowed to be president of being elected. There's no collusion, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let me see if I'm missing any other stories before we wrap this show up. Whether the constitution be one thing or another, This much is clear that it is either allowed for the government that we have or is unable to prevent it. 
In either case, it is unfit to exist. Did I get it? Did I get it, Shane? I think I got it. I think I got it for you, bro. But, yeah. So if you guys if you guys want to call in, feel free to call in. Um, I'm about to wrap this show up. Other than that, New York City shrinking by 108 people per day, but New York State entirely is by 133. Just shows you how much the inner city living is not good for the people. Not good for the people. We need to close the border now because the wall in Calexico and the new wall isn't stopping them. That was something else I wanted to talk about. Yes, thank you for bringing that up, Maga Man. Thank you for bringing that up. So, yes, I think that we did talk about this a little bit on Monday, but I want to get a little bit further into it. Um, The whole entire border situation, it's amazing. So what we've seen from Democrats, what we saw from Bernie Sanders on this topic, and if you guys missed the whole situation, basically – um, President Trump being hard on the border, being hard on, on asylum seekers and anyone else in order to make sure that they're being properly vetted, has been trying to hold people for a long periods of time. Um, the courts have ruled that you can only maintain um, asylum seekers for 20 days. After 20 days, they must be released. And a judge has Another judge, another court has prevented us from being able to send those asylum seekers over to Mexico to hold them over there. That way they're not susceptible to uh, the American law. And so we can get around that so we can properly vet them and make sure that they're protected and provided for before they come over into this country. Since that was blocked, President Trump and somebody on his team, uh, arguably, has come up with the idea that they one day will be an anarchist. Um I'll talk to you later, man. Um, that instead of just releasing them out to the public, just wherever they are, that we release them into the sanctuary cities, the sanctuary states, California. This caused an outrage, of course, because the Democrats who are living in these sanctuary cities that have implemented them as safety zones for illegal immigrants – Uh, They wanted to virtue signal to make the Republicans look bad. But as soon as it it, it came up that, hey, you guys are going to be living off or you guys are going to have to take the burden of this, they became outraged. And even Cher, Cher, one of the big social justice warriors of 2018 and 2019, comes out and was like, we have enough homeless people in our area. We don't need to bring in more people. What we need to do is be able to take care of our own before we start accepting others. This is the right-wing talking point since 2015, since 2016, since a long-ass time that we got to take care of our own before we start taking care of other people, that we start taking care of people from other countries. Did somebody red pill her? Did somebody put something in her drink? Because I, I, I want to know. Now, Cher comes that way with this. And here's where um, Grandpa Bernie Sanders, lunatic Bernie Sanders, a walker with only two ball or three balls, and he's missing one ball on there, and uh, does his hair each morning with the with the, the static of a balloon. Bernie Sanders comes along and he says, "No, no, no. What we need is we need more room to hold these uh, these asylum seekers. We just need to have more areas where we can protect them, where we can provide for them." Uh, did you miss the whole 20 days thing there, Bernie? Did you miss that part of this whole equation where you don't get to hold them in there? You don't get to incarcerate them. You don't get to, to detain them for longer than two zero days. It doesn't matter how much room that you have. What you're saying is that you're going to accept them and to allow them into the country in any, in any way, um, after those 20 days, it doesn't matter how much room you are. So you're just there to squander more money. Sounds short-sighted and stupid to me. Sounds like government, but nonetheless. So we continue on where President Trump is going to dump these people off into those cities. The cities, the, the, the constituents there are outraged, and rightfully so, to have somebody politicize this in that way, um, to actually put the to target to target certain cities, certain areas. Um, we can all agree that that's probably bad. Um, we are punishing individuals who did not make this decision. 
because of the decisions made by others, right? They have no control over the legislature. They have no control over the mafia over them. They have control over their own lives. They may be in favor of it. They may be against it, but we are punishing them regardless. This is the same thing as the eminent domain uh, along the border. Whether you agree or disagree, your land would be taken or would be taken from you in some form of of uh, <clears throat> of money would be given back to you, whether it's of value or not. Um, so there's atrocities there, of course, and. <coughs> So the the it, it, it's amazing to watch these Democrats really just go, these just playing politics. It's like, why do you have sanctuary cities? Why are you, Nancy Pelosi, saying, yeah, we're a sanctuary city. We we love our people. We love our areas. We love this. We love immigrants where we have arms open wide until you put them in our arms and then they're closed. Um, I, I think that that hypocrisy needs to be called out. And while we're talking about Bernie Sanders, we got to talk about Bernie Sanders wants you to pull up your own bootstraps. Yes, Bernie Sanders, big old socialist. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Um, Bernie Sanders, the big old socialist that wants to give redistribute the wealth to all the poor and the one percent are just terrible people. He wants pudding cups for everybody. He wants to redistribute all the wealth to everyone else because all of these immoral government or not government, uh, these immoral private entities that make abundance of money off of the labor of people um, under them that they're not making a living wage. They're not taking care of them, so we need to, to have higher estate taxes. We need to have wealth tax. We need to have um, a higher income tax on them. We need to do all of these things unless unless you're Bernie Sanders and you wrote a New York Times bestseller and you made over a million dollars. So if you made a million dollars off of book sales, Bernie Sanders doesn't want to tax you anymore. He just wants to tax everybody else. This is the normal socialist trope. Everybody who's doing better than me, they need to be the burden. They need to be the burden. They need to carry my burden. They need to carry your burden. They need to carry everyone else's because they are the immoral people. Bernie Sanders was called out at a town hall. And during this calling out, the woman did a beautiful job of, of saying, Bernie Sanders, should you be paying more on those taxes? And he's like, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. I, I totally uh, earned this myself. It was by my book. What he's missing from this was that Bernie Sanders himself had to rely on the cheap labor of others through Amazon, who he's railing against right now, through multiple different platforms um, in which he distributed his book, where these people are not making the quote-unquote livable wage that he's declared. So Bernie Sanders is just as culpable as anyone else that he goes after, but he should be the exception to the rule. So... Next time you guys are looking at Bernie Sanders, if you guys like him in any way, take it down a couple notches. If you guys already don't like him, here's another big piece of ammo against him. He also, when talking about the uh, the healthcare, the Medicare for all, somebody had asked, "Hey, why is the money going to be spent more if it's going to be if, if you say it's going to be free?" And he says, "Well, it's going to be free at the time of which you use it. It's going to be free at the time which you use it." It's not going to be free because somebody has to pay for it. Bernie Sanders doesn't understand economics. And and it's amazing how many people push his trope, push his ideas, and think that this is going to be beneficial or helpful in any any way. Bernie Sanders endorses something that's economics. I guarantee you, you flip it the other way and it's going to be better. I've never seen him. And I've, I've, I've agreed with him on many things. He is against the war in Yemen. I agree with him. That is not an economic thing. That is a moral thing. Yes, absolutely, let's get out of Yemen. But when it comes to economics, he knows less than the shoes he's wearing. The shoes are worth more, I promise you. He's just as good as ec- at economics as AOC is at, at drinking wine and, and eating candy in a proper and, and mature way, right? She's not. So with that, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys uh, 
got some new insights or, or some views that you guys might not have thought about before. Um, but with that, I am going to wrap up the show. It is Friday night, which means do not drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family and friends who care about you and love you deeply, and they want you to get back here safe for Monday night, where you will see me again here about 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, I want to say thank you all for coming out, enjoying your Friday night with me. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing about your guys' weekends on the Monday night show. And um, with that, I will bid you all adieu. I 